and welcome to Native Stories. Native Stories exists to share the voices of those connected to the land. Aloha mai kako. My name is Nohea Hirohara Frizzell. I am uh, the founder of Native Stories. Today we have Tanil Leomana Kanahele talking to us about her experience growing up with an ohana that was prominent in the movement towards sovereignty. I know Tanil from the Onolicious cupcakes that she makes. Look her up on her Facebook or Instagram. Um, I think it's uh, Goodylicious Treats by Tanil. We'll put that in the in the show notes uh, description. Uh, she has desserts like pa'iai cupcakes, uh, strawberry guava crunch and crumble, and caramel tres leches cake. Oh my god, so delicious. But today, we will not be t- talking about desserts, although that will come up at the end. But we will be listening to her story growing up as a daughter to Dennis Bumpy <clears throat> Kanahele. Tanil, would you be so kind in, in introducing yourself to our Native Stories Ohana? Aloha, my name is Tanio Leomana Kanehele, born and raised in Waimanalo, particularly Waimanalo Homestead. I went through the public school system, kindergarten through sixth, attending Blanche Pope, and then Waimanalo Inter, seventh and eighth, and then I graduated from Kailua High School in 2000. After that, I went to HPU where I pursued my bachelor's and graduated with my psychology degree as well as social science in 2003. Okay and you want to talk about your babies? I have four Keiki. The youngest is three. His name is Hustle. Second youngest her name is Legacy and she's 10. Uh, Paea is 12 and my oldest is Velina and she's 14. Where do they go to school? So they go to school. My oldest goes to Wamanala Inter and my other two, they go to Blanche Pope Elementary. Mm-hmm. And Hustle, he'll be ready for school next year. Ah, uh, cute. Uh, okay, so we are going to talk a little bit about how she grew up um, and then talk about kind of current day and things that are happening on the mountain, for instance, and here in Waimanalo. Uh, kind of her thoughts on that and... Um, I guess we'll start off with what is sovereignty to you or and or your ohana? So to me, sovereignty, uh, it means, you know, freedom from oppression and a manipulated occupying force that has no consideration for our culture, our people, or, you know, our future. Um, sovereignty is about maintaining our own identity and moving forward as a nation the way we see fit and not the other way around. It's about loving our aina and our values and that make us a much needed you know entity of the world and which is lacking mm-hmm. the aloha spirit maybe we start with a story that you remember day to day not maybe or week to week weekends like what did that look like for you you know growing up now that i look back on it it's very unconventional the way i was raised but nevertheless very you know rich in history and um have amazing memories about it so during the week we'd always be with my entire family um the kids would be playing outside and the adults would be meeting inside talking about the next strategies of how we're gonna get you know the message across about sovereignty so on the weekends we'd go to Waikiki for instance Iolani Palace I remember just playing on the branches of the trees at Iolani Palace while 
I'm hearing yelling and like <laughs> people chanting and singing, you know, and people just always like coming together to wanting to know why we're doing this kind of stuff. Uh-huh. And you know, in in Waikiki, we'd be playing on the in the beach, in the water, and just um, passing out flyers too. And, and I look back on it, and the flyers used to say like. Um, tourists go home and <laughs> passing it out yeah we're passing tourists. it out while the adults are busy talking to the other adults and we don't know why you know the tourists were getting angry yeah i'm just giving you a piece of paper why are you angry for yeah it? <laughs> we thought it was fun and you know what to me it made sense as a little child like go just go home and support us yeah. <laughs> you know but that was life for us you know just being yelled at by people we don't know but knowing that we have our family around to protect us we always you know, just did as we were told and we understood what we were doing, mm-hmm. even at such a young age. Wow. So, I mean, I guess, was that around like four years old-ish? So, um, that, the Waikiki, yeah, started about four years old. Um, handing out the flyers, that started maybe, I think I was nine or ten. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm, so. so, why don't you describe to us an event that you remember and kind of the events that that led up to something that tr- somewhat traumatic. So I remember I was about four. Me and my cousins, we used to stay at the Makapu'u Lighthouse um, at the top. You know, that's where that was like a playground for us. In the morning, we'd wake up, eat breakfast, pick up like loose bullet shells we would see around and um, go down to the beach to go swim or down to any of the ponds, and um, that that was my day-to-day for a while, I remember. Uh, I remember then one morning, my mom waking me up. The sun wasn't even out yet, and she just was in a hurry. I wasn't even dressed, you know, I just had my blanket on, my pajamas, and she told me, we got to go now, and I was confused. I was still in a daze, like, what is going on? Next thing you know, I see, from all angles, I see people that now I know were cops rushing to my family and I remember seeing my brother get hit down to the ground with a rifle to his head what how old was he he was only he's seven years older than me so he was only 11 or 12 and where you guys were staying where so there was these empty bunkers okay that used to be there before and that's where we kind of camped out so Mm. we actually stayed there and it was just your family or was a bunch of family it was a bunch of our family so not just my my immediate, but a lot of my dad's supporters who are also like my uncles, aunties, cousins. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you see your little brother getting hit, and it was a man in a uniform. Mm-hmm. And then what happened? Um. Next thing you know, I just see all my dad, everybody, all my uncles getting shoved to the ground with guns. Everybody yelling. You know, I hear my cousins screaming, and then next thing you know. We're driving to the bottom, and this lady comes grab. She grabs me out of the car from my mom, and takes me. So I'm like confused already. Like, what is going on? You know. And I remember the little details, like my mom crying. I'm still confused. I'm in shock, and I'm still in my pajamas, my my little my my little pony blanket, and they're taking me away from her, and it's just me. I just mm-hmm. remember being taken into like this car by myself, and next, well, then my cousin comes in there after another girl. And from then, I kind of blank out. And then I remember just being in the jail cell. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You were f- four years old mm-hmm. and you were arrested. And it's still, you're arrested. I still have real crystal clear images of 
moments that you know mm-hmm. things that happened during that day little uh, pieces of yeah time even they were trying to ask me questions like what is my name and I wouldn't say anything I just cried and my older cousin was there trying to tell them my name because I refused to like talk I'm just like traumatized you know yeah <laughs> and they expected you to do that mm-hmm. interesting okay so that would that occurred that was pretty I, I would use the word traumatic um and what so what happened to your parents what happened afterwards do you remember so I remember they so the women were taking one area and to another jail and my uncles and my dad they were all being detained in another jail mm-hmm. and I remember being at home later because my grandparents picked me up um I w- they took me back to our house my, my parents house mm-hmm. and I remember I remember images of like this big like wagon coming um dropping off like all my aunties my mom all in one wagon so they're mm-hmm. all standing up in the back <laughs> oh it's not like a van no it wasn't a-, a van they're all like still like standing i still remember oh. that and then my uncles and my dad come they come later so they, they kind of just dropped off i don't know who was picking them up but i just remember them all coming to our house in big white like this yeah. truck thing yeah <laughs> gotta get home mm-hmm. okay so that was somewhat of uh the experiences that you had playing at the you know uh makapu area to getting arrested at the age of four and being in jail um, and handled not with care as for a little child um so i guess moving on um can you tell us you had there was a story that i saw about your teacher so as you get older other things like this happen Yes. Okay. Um, you know, there's a lot that did happen. Um, but uh, one that one story that really stuck out to years later, I'm a junior in high school. The There's a assembly in the gym. I think it was, I'm not too sure if it was homecoming. But, you know, they do the, the usual routine. They sing the national Alma anthem on oh, water. No. <laughs> yeah. So, and as usual, I sit down, you know, and... I remember sitting down, like I usually do for everything <laughs> that has the national anthem playing. And from... America's national anthem. Yeah, America's national okay. anthem. And I remember hearing yelling while everybody's singing. And I maybe a couple rows in the back on the bleachers. And I, I noticed that the lady yelling at me is a Hawaiian lady. And she's yelling to me directly, pointing to me, pointing me out, saying, stand up for your flag. What are you doing sitting down? So I just ignore her because I wasn't going to stand. But then it started getting louder and more aggressive. And so to avoid any more conflict, I just stood up. But deep down inside, I was so hurt, like mad, angry. Like, why is this person, you know, putting me on blast like this? And she told me, you better stand up. Like she yelled one more time, you better stand up and respect your flag. Hmm. So it kind of just made me like, I didn't, I couldn't believe what was being told to me. Yeah. So I, I stood up. I waited to the whole day till I got into my gate of my house where I felt safe and started crying. Can we go back a little bit? Because you're, how, why was it wrong for you to stand up? Well, for me, I mean, that's not my, I'm not an American, you know? Yeah. I'm Native Hawaiian and... Part of the kingdom of Hawaii. Yeah, so, you know, for me, it wasn't, it wasn't anything to do, you know, just to get back at America right. or any, it was just like out of respect for my yeah my my nation yeah 
Okay. And so you get home and you, and you're in, go ahead with the story. So I get home, you know, I'm crying and I try to like make my face like all presentable again, not puffy eyed or any signs that I was crying because I know my dad, they always, every day after school, they asked me how my day went, you know, during dinner. And so I knew that was going to happen. So I tried to brush it off so that he wouldn't think anything. I mean, I know I should tell him, but I didn't, I just didn't want any conflict. And I know my family, I know my dad, you know, he's going to rage if, if he finds out what happened. I just was trying to keep everything neutral. Like I got it, but um, I couldn't hold back when he asked me. He first thing he did when he came home, same thing. How was your day? And I kind of was like, so great. <laughs> and I walked away and I didn't look at him. But then he asked me again and again. And then I just full on just bawled. And then he thought somebody hurt me, mm-hmm. physically hurt me. But then I told him what happened. And all I remember him is going quiet and saying, OK, let me go make some calls. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, like, what's going to happen now? So I'm now at this point, I'm more worried for my teacher, mm-hmm. or the, the lady, because she wasn't even my teacher. She was just a teacher there. Mm-hmm. Now I'm thinking about the school, like, you right. know, he's going to sue, like down to the state, like he's going to hold like an occupation now. So I'm kind of nervous at this point, like what's going to happen the next day. So what happens the next day? So the next day I get to school and... And your dad takes you? No, he doesn't. (laughs) I went on my own. Okay. But I hear from like... How'd you get to school? I I drove. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I was driving by then, working. But anyway, so I drove on my own. But, you know, a little birdie told me that your dad's here. (laughs) And so um, later I find out um, what happened that day when I get home. Um, he He sat me down, told me, you know, I talked to your teacher. And the first thing they did is when he got there... He talked to the VP and they looked at my record seeing that, you know, this girl is in a troublemaker, you know, there's got to be an explanation for it. So, and my dad, you know, made it clear, you know, this is a violation. To verify, troublemaker means what? You know, somebody trying to like, um, you know, bring the wrong attention mm-hmm. to, to so you. So you never got in trouble? No, I was, um, I was pretty much an ideal straight A student, okay. did everything by the book. Yeah, you know, quiet, respected, respectable. Like, yeah, didn't really no, skip class. Didn't, I don't, I, I don't like to make any like. I don't like to draw attention to myself that way. I kind of just try to like get through mm-hmm. everything without being in the spotlight, like how my family usually is. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, what happened after? So he tells me that um, that they call in next. They call in the the teacher, and you know they they explained to the teacher like what my dad was sharing with them what happened and then they asked her why did she do this you know and then this was like a real issue but one look at her and like just how she explained my dad realized this this person really has no clue what she did yeah she has no clue how she violated someone's rights or how she you know she approached the whole issue really wrong yeah (laughs) And she was demeaning you. Mm-hmm. You're you're allowed to. I mean, yeah, uh, freedom to express. I don't know exactly the name of the law, but <laughs> but that's also American law. But in in general, you should be able to show what you care. Yeah, and she kind she made a threat. You know, a verbal yeah. threat. Yeah. So and and then I'm my dad's like pride and joy. So that alone, you know, really I could see it in his face, but. 
you know, when he said, when he, he seen her reaction, he kind of took a step back out of the whole situation, looking in like this, this person really has no clue what's going on. It's ignorant to the whole situation. You know, just got to back off because there's right. no sense talking to a wall that, right. you know, you got to educate. So um, they kind of just ended it, I guess, in a good way where they just made her realize what she did. And, you know, next time, you know, just be aware of what you're doing because it can offend and you can lose your job, you know? Yeah. So it kind of ended there. Um, when I heard what my dad did and how he was explaining to me, it kind of took me back, like, to, you know, to have that much self-discipline to control your emotions, to react that way, kind of made me look at the world in a different light too, like to really look at other perspectives and understand before you actually act upon it. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's a good lesson. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and the next year, ironically, I had her as my teacher oh. for an elective. And every day for maybe a month or two, I would see her and she would be, um, she had like this look in her eyes, like she was really, really sorry for what she did but she wouldn't really bring it up mm. and i see it and like she was being overly nice like honestly mm. i didn't i didn't want to take advantage of her in that way nor did i want to see her every day with her seeing that hurt in her yeah you know like she's trying to some way make it up to me yeah so i thought about it for a while and i told myself you know what i gotta take myself out of this situation even though you know it's like made for me to like pass <laughs> right so i kind of talked to some other teachers a counselor and said, you know, since um, this is my senior year, I want to work on getting grants and scholarships. So maybe I could spend my credit in my elective in the counseling room. So to shadow and to learn, you know, and also get some help to get grants and stuff. So the counselor approved it. And I told her, I told my teacher, um, you know, I have this opportunity to like, you know, further mm -hmm. my college, you know, right now. So mm -hmm. I'd rather do something like that instead of, you know, being here, which I appreciate. So I kind of left it like that. Nice. Mm -hmm. Wow. Uh, I have never been in trouble, so <laughs> I don't know what that would be like. The, that's a lot to experience as a teenager and as a little kid. And um, So why don't we uh, move on to, so Yippa High School, and then you said you went to HPU, and at HPU um, you had a really interesting class. So what yeah. Okay. Tell us about that class and your assignment. So um, in my senior year of uh, college at HPU, I decided to take up an anthropology course. So when I got there, my first my first day of that class, I learned that um, Auntie Lynette Cruz was my teacher. And, you know, she's very well known, too, in, in the movement. So it was a very interesting course where we had guest speakers every every week from different parts of the sovereignty movement um, and all kind of perspectives. And her, her basis for that class was to, to have different perspectives from each, each leader in the movement. And that way we can, you know, make our own decision on what we think is right or what direction we should move. So it's a very, um, very neutral class mm -hmm. it just it just to me i took it as a bunch of like just getting free education different perspectives just yeah. a way for me to understand yeah yeah know? no that's important yeah it's a really good class so what happened uh between college and uh tw 2010 okay so right after college i went right into my field that i graduated in psychology um so i 
I went to my old high school. You know, I did some work there. Um, mm-hmm. And then I also worked with younger children um, as well. It lasted for maybe about less than a year. And I kind of was still like, I don't really feel like this is what I'm supposed to do, you know. Mm-hmm. So I kind of took that time to explore other jobs. I went with a a, um, a job placement Yeah, agency. job placement. So, mm-hmm. you know, just to learn all kind of different yeah. skills. So that's what I did. And it still was like, wasn't something, you know, that I was passionate really passionate. About. Like I could do it, no problem, but it still didn't feel like me. And at that point, you know, I did everything I was supposed to from, you know, as a, a little student, girl. Listen. A student, perfect, you know, the good girl. Yeah, the good girl. Do whatever Opposite. your parents yeah. want to. And I was kind of over it at that point. I was like, you know, I'm just going to like, relax and just enjoy myself so i spent a little time you know like just um just relaxing and partying partying (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah which is you know like it kind of just flipped my family upside down too like what is going on with her and they didn't really see it from what i was trying to you know get away from or do like i just was i didn't know how to tell them but like you know all, all my life i did everything i was supposed to do you know but this is not my life yeah yeah and you know um it wasn't until 2005 that I got pregnant with my first daughter mm. that it kind of just, it was, she saved my life. Because I was at that point, I was kind of just in a whole nother world, opposite of what I <laughs> used to be. Mm-hmm. And she really did save my life by me being high with her. That really settled me down to be like a mom. Yeah. You know, so I did, you know, regular jobs just to keep things going. But yet I still, it's. I still feel like there was more I needed to do. And maybe years later, 2010, till I had my third child, Legacy, mm-hmm. that really things started to come come together for me. Um, at that point, my my relationship that I had with my first three, um, Keiki, that, you know, we separated. Not on good terms, but um, it was necessary for both of us. And at the same time, my papa passed and I was really close to my papa and at that time my my grandma moved in with us they were living in Texas and they're living in Texas yeah they were taking care of my great grandma (laughs) oh my goodness yeah so that's my grandma's so this is my mom's side okay my grandma's mom so that's the whole reason they moved up to Texas to take care of her and you know all the time too I would miss them because they were raising me throughout my whole life too wait how did she get to Texas is that is your mom? No, they're born and raised here. Um, okay. my my grandma's mom remarried, you know, and she ended up moving to the mainland. That's how she ended up in Texas. Okay, okay. Um, so when my papa and my grandma decided to retire from their jobs, um, they decided to go up there and take care of her because she was already kind of needing help. Yeah, and it was a good opportunity for them to live out their dream, which was to travel mm. the U.S. So that's what they did while they were taking care of her. Nice, nice. But yeah. Okay, so things were not going so good no. up until 2010. Yeah, it was just a, just like a just an uphill battle for me. Just mm-hmm. I think it's because I really didn't like do what I really wanted to do, or I really didn't face who I was. Mm-hmm. You know, trying to like you experience so much trauma from growing up, from you know being in this lifestyle. Mm-hmm. But I have no regrets. Yeah, but you know, it's you learn how to block things out and mm-hmm. like. 
make up for it in other ways. Right. And I think that's what I was doing, not really confronting my problems or issues that I had internally. Mm-hmm. And I tried to like physically manifest them into something else. Mm-hmm. So when it came to 2000, 2010, when my grandma moved back, um, I would hear her crying at night because she missed my papa. Like she'll be oh, playing, you know, those um, on the TV they have the the programs you can watch. They have the Hawaiian music sometimes. And she'll mm. like stay up late at night and like just cry. So I'd hear her, and then so I want to keep her company. And then we just was like, oh, how about we just bake? Like I was telling her, I always wanted to know how to make red velvet cupcakes because that was a thing, yeah, back yeah. then too. Yeah. So from there, like we would just stay up late at night every night, talk story about Papa, how because he was a cook too. Oh. Yeah, and my grandma was a homemaker, so it kind of just re-sparked this this bond that we used to have before, and I would just like trip out on like some of the stuff she would show me. So I was like, Grandma, how about we do this next time? And then I would tell her like, Oh, I got this idea. So every day, every night, we'll try something new. Wow. Yeah, and that's kind of the birth of you know birth a whole of, new journey. Yeah. Yeah. No, seriously, your cupcakes are amazing, and. uh yeah. <laughs> when are you going to have a store? We want we want a store. It's probably too expensive. What do you think? Um, I think for now, right now, my priority is family first. So yeah. just trying to, you know, manage a keiki and it's pretty much just a word of mouth kind of job. So, mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> uh, okay. So uh, you get into baking. It's taking off like a rocket <laughs> and your <laughs> kids are getting older. Um and uh, I guess maybe today or this year, you went up to the Mauna. Can you explain that experience? So we decided, I think it was July or June we went up. Um, when this whole Mauna thing happened, it kind of like woke us, I think, everybody up. Kind of just to, you know, what is really going on now. Like mm-hmm. it's for real, mm-hmm. everything that's happening. And I kind of felt like this, you know, this resurgence of like, people actually like wanting to learn more about the movement and all this kind of stuff going on and you know when that whole thing happened we're seeing our kupuna getting arrested yeah that's what sparked it yeah and for us it was like a blessing because all these years you know we've been kind of doing this what we usually do um in the movement and now that everybody's wanting to learn wanting to know more like how to approach it 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 made us kind of you know revive all that feelings again and you know a lot of times people were coming up to us or like you know messaging see we should have listened to you you guys like all these years and for us we didn't even see it that way we were just like super happy that people are actually recognizing the issue now so Mm -hmm. it wasn't even about who did this first who did this you know Mm -hmm. who started Mm -hmm. it it was more like our people are actually coming together right yeah I mean that's the point right Mm -hmm. so you (laughs) know yeah so and like when I when I talked to my dad about it, he was really happy, you know, smiling because man, there's all this work is not going, you know. Mm-hmm. You know I mean, it's actually going. It's we actually can help yeah. everybody now get to yeah. the point we are, yeah. and just through education. Yeah, yeah. So we all decided to go up. As in fact, it was just going to be our family, and then you know, I found out later, like a lot of our our people from our nation we're coming too so it was it was nice to see everybody again in that light so we all went up we decided to go up when it wasn't as busy because mm-hmm. that was a good really idea like spot. <laughs> yeah we well, kind of just we have a purpose there too. yeah yeah we have a purpose there and it's it's different from you know trying to get recognized it's more so paying our respects there 
letting the people know there that we're supporting them too. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it was a really good experience. I think we all had, all of us Native Hawaiians, we have a connection to that place, whether, you know, it's reminding us who we are or if it's just, you know, making us feel connected to somewhere. Mm-hmm. It does something to you. Yeah, mm-hmm. connected to a place is like, I mean, some people feel it, but I think a lot of Native people mm-hmm. feel it. Native to a place, you really feel this kind of connection um, that occurs. Spiritually. And, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So, it, like, it, it, you know, you can't buy money. Money can't buy that. Mm-mm. Yeah, you can't just give those things away. You have to fight for those types of things. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a good experience, um, and I want to discuss your name, Taniel, and Leomana. So your middle name is Leomana, uh, and I want to know uh, where you got that name from and kind of the responsibilities of that name and how you are have grown into them. Okay, so, well, first of all, my first name, Taniel, is from Captain and Taniel, is named after the disco band okay. in the 1980s. Um, <laughs> my family was very musically... Incline involved, <laughs> however you want to say it. <laughs> so my middle name, uh, Leomana, was given to me by my dad's mom, my tutu, Koleka Kalima. And it means powerful voice. So she gave that name to me. I was told that when I was born, I was screaming so loud that the whole floor couldn't hear me. So me growing up all these years thinking like, you know, I don't have a loud voice. Like, why would she name me that? Nor can I sing. I don't sing. And um, she was a singer. She was a falsetto singer, mm-hmm. Hawaiian falsetto singer. So, and a lot of my family are in the entertainment industry too. So, I grew up thinking, like, why would she name me that? If you know, I was practically mute back then. Growing up, I'm still the same way. I hardly talk or speak. I, I'm pretty much, if you ask me, then I'll talk. Yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. So, you know, to now to this point, it's kind of. I'm learning and understanding who I really am. And it's also evolving with my understanding of my name now. So I, I'm realizing it doesn't have to mean powerful voice. What it can mean is, you know, when you speak, you have this. I, I, I'm realizing that I have this way to speak to people in a positive light that can also inspire, mm-hmm. you know, make people mm-hmm. feel good. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that's just how I am. So yeah. I'm so how, can tell me some stories about inspiring other people. So with my business, I feel like, you know, it's a real blessing because I am allowed to not only bake what, you know, I really love it. It's like a way for me to like let out, you know, um, it's like therapy for me. So when I when I started meeting my customers, a lot of them became like family almost, you know, it's kind of like we're put into each other's lives to help each other. So, I mean, I've seen my customers evolve from you know, very vulnerable and naive. So nowadays they're thriving. So, right. you know, and a lot of them, you know, they they have, like, they feel like they can talk to me about certain things. So I hold that dear. So I keep that very, like, you know, between us and just, like, some, you know, I'm I'm grateful that they can express themselves, through, you know, to me. I keep plugging your, your business, but if you, like, just look at a picture of one of these cupcakes... <laughs> And you can't lick the screen and taste it, but you can imagine how much it love that goes into it. Mm-hmm. I think that's why people feel like they can connect with that because yeah. you can literally see it coming out of the Facebook post. And I always like to thank, you know, my, my papa, my kupunas, because 
I honestly didn't have one baking bone in my body beforehand. Really? You know, it's kind of like an awakening. So, you know, and it comes from a place, you know, like a place in my heart that I really, you know, it, I really love baking. It's yeah. just tell every me about, time. Tell I, me, sorry, mm-hmm. to interrupt, but putty eye, mm-hmm. like. Is it really putty eye in there? Oh yeah, it's only putty eye. <laughs> you really? know, that's the main ingredient, and that's my actually my favorite flavor to, to make because it's very, um, you know, it's it's one of those ingredients that you can't you know you can't expect the same thing from it all the time. Mm-hmm. It has its own personality, mm-hmm. pretty much. So mm-hmm. you know, every time I make it, it's like I gotta adjust the the ingredients to it mm. so it kind of manifests you know like how you know kalo is a part of our culture it's the same thing it's like a person mm-hmm. or you know there's every everyone is different so yeah. same thing for that and i have to adjust every time i get a new batch and i kind of play with it i'm like oh, okay i know what you I know need, what you, you know? I, <laughs> yeah, I know so, like, the day you're having you know today. it's always a challenge <laughs> to make that one and it's fun but you know every time i make it to it, it reminds me of my papa because he was a kalo farmer too and i used to help him but so every okay. time I bake, you know, even more so after the putty eye, because that wasn't my first flavor, mm-hmm. kind of evolved later. Um, I think of him. So when I'm late, up late at night baking, you know, I feel like I have him around me all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, thank you for, for sh- sharing your cupcakes with us. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh-huh. Always. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when you had uh, just recently talked about things that... Um, um, that you're supporting, supportive of Mauna Kea and have basically haven't stopped. And, and maybe um, you can describe some of the things that your dad is still doing and and as well as ways people can um, participate maybe in a mm-hmm. way, even even educational-wise, if people, you have resources like that, that you, like this book is great mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah, what would that be? So with my family, you know, um, we're always out there to support in, you know, any aspect or any way we can. And a lot of it right now I feel is important is education. So mm-hmm. what my dad and um, so Brandon, who's also my dad's, um, you know, um, second in command almost. Okay. But he's, a, he's the one that's out there on social media, okay. you know, giving all the info. So okay. Um, you can always contact them um, through Facebook or Instagram. They have a a page. Um, I, they have it by their name. So either Pu'uhonua. Um, Owaimanalo. Owaimanalo. Okay. Yeah. Or you can look up Nation of Hawaii and there's all kinds of resources. Okay. You know, and if um, I tend to, you know, draw towards like, the people that are not sure what to ask. Maybe they don't want to come off a certain way or, you know, kind of hesitant and you can always ask me questions or, you know, I'm open to any kind of, you know, things you want to learn about. Um, even if it doesn't have to do with the movement, just r- questions in general, you know, yeah. just coming from a, a struggle, like how I did. Yeah. You know? I, 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 there are some other resources back to Nita's stories. We did a La Kuokoa um, talk story with um, Keanu Sai. Uh, I can't think of others, but there's the one by Adam Kiave Manalo Camp on Queen Liwakalani. So there's just, I mean, once you learn the history and you mm-hmm. then understand that, oh, that that was only, what, 100, and, mm-hmm. 100 years ago? It wasn't very long. Um, that was basically, you know, two generations ago. So to say that... Um, it is the way it is, and just move forward. 
that's not really moving forward. You, we keep moving backwards if that's how we want to look at things.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think I just, I just encourage anybody to pick up, go to Name Hawaii and pick up a book, go to the library, pick up a book.、Um, yeah. And what, where, what are some other web pages? You said Nation of Hawaii. Nation of Hawaii.、Um, there's Aloha Coin. You know, or you, know, you can come to my page and ask、okay. me questions. You know, I'm, I'm primarily you know, a cupcake,、like、cupcake business, but it's still very personal where I still come across as like, a regular person.、Um, yeah. It's more like I started my, my web page more so to portray art.、Mm. So it, didn't, it doesn't come off as a business page, more、mm-hmm. like I'm, you know, it's like, Relatable, right? Yeah, normal person, and、so. you want to, yeah, I want to, like, you want to、yeah. educate people, as oh, yeah, kind of- yeah. So, you, you know, I'm open to it, I just don't、yeah. like to impose, so I'll wait、yeah. for somebody to ask me, yeah, <laughs> yeah, kind of like standing in Waikiki at the <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Out, like, you've been on <laughs> you know? this mission for a while, yeah. So, I mean, I'm I don't talk much, you know, um, I don't really bring in the political side of the movement. More so, I like to give my personal background on it just so you know people can see more of a personable、um, approach to the life in the Hawaiian sovereignty movement, the struggle, being born into the life of resistance, all that kind of stuff. So,、mm-hmm. and you know, it really does tie into my business because without it, you know, it's because of how I grew up, because of who I am, that I was, I'm able to do what I do now. Right. You know, so I wouldn't be here without my background, my manao. Everything that I was taught. Awesome. Thank you so much.、Um, so, yeah, again, if you lick the screen, you can't <laughs> taste it.、Uh, but if you want the real thing, how do they order? Okay, so on my Instagram pa- page,、uh, Goodylicious Treats by Tenille, there is a number that you can text.、Um, so just text me. You know, I kind of still run it as a hobby business, still, not full fledged business. So, It takes me a couple days to get back, you know, and but you can always text me、um, with any kind of inf- you know, questions you have, inquiries. And any, what, what information do you usually need? Number、um, of I just need your、um, email,、uh-huh. you know, and then because、um, most people like to see my menu info and pricing,、uh-huh. so that way I can send it to you. And then I just need your name、um, and you know, the dates and cups,、so. cupcakes, and cakes. Uh, so,、cupcake. I'm primarily a cupcake maker. Okay. <laughs> Cakes, it kind of evolves, so I'm still learning at that too. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay.、Uh, thank you for、uh, being here and、uh, sharing with us at Native Stories.、Uh, if you want to further connect with us at Native Stories, you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram. Just find、uh, our Native Stories.、Um, And please download our mobile app and listen to us on all streaming podcast outlets. Just search Native Stories.、Uh, please share with your Ohana, Ho'opili,、um, whoever you like.、Um, and we pride ourselves on being your resource. So if you have any stories to share, you can go to the webpage、um, and there is、uh, a share a story link. Um, or you can Instagram or, or Facebook us or email us at info at nativestories.org.、Um, again, mahalo for, tu- for tuning in. Mahalo. Thank you for listening to us on Native Stories. If you have a story you would like us to tell or want to sponsor a future podcast, location story, or walking tour, please email us at info at nativestories.org.